Blog Talk Radio. Believe 
Hallelujah. Well, the answer to that question is no. There is nothing too hard. There is nothing too difficult for our great God to do. This is your Sister Pearl tonight. And in the word with Sister Pearl on Reaching Out Radio International. And I just want to welcome all of you from around the globe, through, from so many continents that are listening to this uh, broadcast. We just want to bless you in the name that is above every other name. And that name is no less than the magnificent, powerful, mighty, awesome, amazing name of Jesus. What a name. What a name. So the Lord bless you wherever you are listening uh, to this broadcast from uh, the great continent of Africa, Asia, if you would be in Europe, South America, North America, wherever you're listening from, in Australia, the Oceania, Wherever you're listening from the Caribbean, we want to bless you in the precious name of Jesus. What a privilege it is for me to be with you, another broadcast. And I have a word for you tonight that I am so eager to give. This is a good question, and it doesn't come from your sister Paul. It comes straight from the word of God in in Jeremiah chapter 32, and I just am so inspired. I want to go straight into it. Jeremiah chapter 32, I'm not going to read the entire um, scripture, but um, I definitely want to talk about some portion of it, and then I want to talk about some other wonderful things that are in the Word of God. But before we do that, why don't you and I just... Uh, bow our hearts before the Lord tonight, and as is my custom, we're going to seek first just God's favor upon this message tonight. We know that his word is already anointed. It's wonderfully anointed. It needs nothing for me to add to it, uh, but I am praying that myself, that I would be able to deliver the message that God would have me to give you, and that God would also touch your understanding. So I'm praying for the two of us, praying for you and praying for me, that God would be exalted, that he would be exalted in my delivery of the word, and that he would be made high, and that you would understand those things that God wants you to get out of this message tonight. So let's just look to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for this another opportunity. And we come boldly, but we come humbly before you, Lord God. We recognize that without you, there's nothing good that we can do. But with you, we can do all things through Christ because you strengthen and you enable us. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray for every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every young person that is listening to the sound of my voice tonight in my own nation of the United States of America, but Lord, also in Canada, in Mexico, in all the other various countries, over now 75, that are listening to this broadcast. Father, we thank you for each and every one, whether they're listening 
by themselves uh, in a room or they're listening with a group of people, I just pray that you would captivate the hearts of everyone so that they would just be able to focus on what you want to speak to your people tonight. God, anoint your handmaiden. Let me not say anything of myself, but let me say everything that you want me to share on tonight that comes from your heart and that this word would bring encouragement and deliverance and victory and breakthrough to so many that are in need of it, we pray. In the matchless name that's above every other name, the name of Jesus, amen. So the question is tonight, and that's the title of our message, is there anything too hard for God? I'm going to be taking the scripture portion from Jeremiah in the Old Testament, chapter 32. I'm going to read you a portion of this, not the entire chapter, but a portion. You can always go back, as I encourage you to do every time that we get together on this broadcast. I encourage you to get into the word of God for yourself. But right now, I'm going to take a portion of chapter 32 out of Jeremiah, and it reads like this. Verse 16, after I had given the deed of purchase to Baruch, son of Neriah, I prayed to the Lord, ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power an outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. You show love to thousands, but bring the punishment for the parents' sins into the laps of their children after them. Great and mighty God, whose name is the Lord Almighty, great are your purposes and mighty are your deeds. Your eyes are open to the ways of all mankind. You reward each person according to their conduct and as their deeds deserve. You perform signs. You performed in the past tense. You performed signs and wonders in Egypt and have continued them to this day in Israel and among all mankind and have gained the renown that is still yours. You brought your people Israel out of Egypt with signs and wonders by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and with great terror. You gave them this land you had sworn to give their ancestors a land flowing with milk and honey. They came in and took possession of it, and they did not obey you or follow your law. They did not do what you commanded them to to do. So you brought all this disaster then. See how the siege ramps are built up to take the city. Because of the sword, famine, and plague, the city will be given into the hands of the Babylonians who are attacking it. What you said has happened, as you now see. And though the city will be given into the hands of the Babylonians, you, sovereign Lord, say to me, buy the field with silver and have transaction witnessed. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard, and that was verse 26 from Jeremiah chapter 32. 
I'm going to say it again. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. So this is God's word, quoting it. I am the Lord. This is the Lord speaking. I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Not, in other words, not just for the Jewish nation, not just for the people of Israel. And then God asked Jeremiah the question, is anything hard Now notice in verse 17, the latter part of verse 17 in the same chapter, Jeremiah in his prayer says to the Lord, nothing hard for you. So here you go. The Lord himself asked Jeremiah in 27, but Jeremiah already in a previous verse said to God, who he was praying to, nothing is too hard for you. And I want to say to you that are listening to this broadcast tonight, if you are a believing child of God, that must be your confession that nothing is hard for your God. That must be what you believe, called believers, because we believe God's word. What did God say? I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. So again, I repeat. He's not just talking about what he made in the you know, Bible days and the people that he made and, and call his own, his very chosen, the house of Israel. He's not just speaking to them. He is speaking to every one of you in the almost 80 nations that are listening to this broadcast tonight. He is speaking to you and read another portion of the scripture again, even though I read it before. But this is so rich, I want to repeat. Now, you know, sometimes the Lord repeats things. So this time, I'm repeating something, following his example. And it says in in Jeremiah's prayer, and I want you to get this very clearly. First of all, he tells God, not that God needs for somebody to tell them, but he's confessing to his own spirit in his prayer while he's praying. He's reminding himself of who God is. That's what you and I need to do when we're praying. We need to remind ourselves of who our God when we are praying to God. God does not need to be reminded of who he is. We're the ones to be reminded of our great and our awesome God. And so he says, ah, again, this bears repeating. 17 of Jeremiah 32. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. So he's telling God what he knows of him. You and I, when we're going through very 
difficult situations, difficult for men, difficult for humankind, difficult for a government, difficult for a community, but never too difficult for God. He says of God, you made the heavens and the earth. In other words, you're the ones who created everything that is good that we see. And there's nothing too hard or too difficult for you. And then he says in verse 18, now listen to this, you show love to thousands. You show love to thousands. And I would say in today's world, you show love to billions. But you still bring the punishment for the parents' sins and the lapse of their children after them. That's how come you and I as parents, we need to be very cognizant. We need to understand. We need to be aware of the choices that we make because we can bring punishment to the lapse of our children that come after us. Times do you know of a situation where somebody becomes an alcoholic, and very likely one or more of their offspring will become? It's because our children often repeat what we do. Could be for the good can be for the bad. And I'll tell you one thing about the children. They exceed the previous generation. So in other words, if, if my child is going to get a bad example from me, most likely he does will be double if not ten times as bad as what I'm doing. But if I'm doing something that is positive, that is progressive, and I don't mean that in, in the worldly sense. I don't mean that in the liberal leftist sense, but something that is good, something that is for upward mobility. Most likely, my offspring, my child, the, the children that I influence, they're going to even exceed, they're going to even do better I am doing. So if I was able to help 100 they will be able to help a thousand or tens of thousands. And that's what this scripture means. Uh, it, see, we, when we receive the punishment of God, that is our due work. That's what we worked for. That's what we, you know, we worked hard to get that punishment. God didn't just feel like, okay, let me just give out some punishment to these people because I don't like them. It's not like that. It's that we deserve the punishment that we get. We worked for it. We deserve it. But the same God goes on to say in verse uh, 20, as the prophet Jeremiah is, is praying, he tells the Lord, again, reminding himself, reminding his own self, and telling God, 
simultaneously. You perform signs and wonders in Egypt. And you've continued them to this day in Israel, but not just Israel. And among all mankind, all mankind, and again the the renown that is still yours. So till this very day as you're hearing my voice, God is working miracles. God is doing wonders. God is performing signs. Hmm. Is there anything too hard for God? No. 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 Now, a lot of things happen because of a lot of things happen negatively. A lot of bad things happen, but it's because of our own sin, our own disobedience, our own rebellion, going against God's will, not seeking to please him. And then we reap the consequences of such wrong actions. But let me just give you, since we're talking about is anything too hard for God, some of your versions or translations you will read, is anything too difficult for the Lord. I remember a time, and I'm not going to take the opportunity to read through all of these stories, and I only picked a few. Trust me. I only picked a very few. But I'm going to let, let's take a, 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 a little ride down memory lane. Let's go to some of the stories in the Old Testament. And there's so, 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 so many that I could have chosen. So many where God is delivering his people. But I'm just choosing a few for time's sake tonight. And I want to tell you the story briefly. You can always go and read this thoroughly. In the book of Exodus, chapter 14, when God delivers the children of Israel of the hands of Pharaoh's army. My goodness, how great and awesome is our God that would deliver children from Pharaoh's army. Now remember, The children of Israel were slaves in Egypt for so many, many years. And yet they suffered horrifically under the Pharaoh, especially the newer, more recent Pharaoh after the original Pharaoh had died, the one who was um, Pharaoh over in Joseph's time. That pharaoh had already passed on, and there was a new pharaoh, probably his son or his grandson, whoever. But I tell you, that pharaoh made the lives of the Israelites in Egypt a living H-E-L. He made it very difficult for them, almost impossible for them. And they cried out to God. A tremendous story of God's deliverance. It looked like it was not going to happen because God was sending them different plagues to try to shake them. I'm talking about 
the, the people of Egypt and the Pharaoh to try to get them to, to understand that God is real, that God wants to let his people go, but they wouldn't budge. The Pharaoh would not budge. It was plague after plague after plague after plague until finally God allowed the children of Israel to leave. But even when he allowed them to leave, changed his mind and started going after the children of Israel. He wanted to, to I guess, kill some of them and, and bring back the majority of them. But God had already delivered them. And when God delivers you, he wants you to stay delivered. Now, this is what I'm saying. This is key. When God delivers you, he wants you to stay delivered. He does not want you to go back into that thing that he delivered you out of. And so he delivered the children of Israel out of the hands of Pharaoh in Egypt. But Pharaoh now being greedy, being merciless, he decided he was going to go after them. Even though he let them go, now he's changing his mind. And he's running behind them. You've got to see this story. It is tremendous. Read the entire book of Exodus. But their deliverance comes in chapter 14. My goodness. And see how God not only delivered the children of Israel, but God killed and his army that was pursuing. You got to see this. You got to see that story. Is there anything too difficult for God? No. Now remember, the children of Israel did not have those horses, and they did not have all of the weapons. They didn't have any of that. But God still delivered them. You've got to see that story. You've got to take the time and read that story and see that mighty deliverance. Then again, there was another time in the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 6, that God delivered an entire city. The name of the city was Jericho. And he gave Jericho into the hands of Israel. Now, in Jericho, those people look much taller, much bigger, much stronger than of Israel. But see, when God says he's going to deliver you, God is not interested in how big your enemy looks or how big the obstacles may be or how many they may be. If God gives you a promise, it's done. So he delivers the city of Jericho into the hands of his people Israel. You have to really read that story to see how God delivered them. And, and look, how, look how God delivered them. Through their obedience, he told them, listen, I want you to quietly, don't even open up your mouth. Don't even say anything. Don't even speak among yourselves. I want you to go and march around the city of Jericho I want you to do it seven times. So they marched around the city. And all this time that they're marching, they had orders from God that they were to keep their mouths shut. When you are believing God for something that looks very difficult, for something that looks almost impossible to man, 
Be careful what you say. Be careful what comes out of your mouth. Be careful that you don't speak out into your spirit. Be careful that you don't say something that's contrary to what God is saying. God is saying, I'm going to deliver the city of Jericho to of his people Israel. And God refused for those people to be running their mouths, speaking a lot of fear and unbelief and doubt. And you were believing God for God to move in a spectacular, phenomenal way, for God to do what looks possible for man then you and I need to be careful. I repeat, we need to be careful what we speak into our spirit. We need to be careful what we allow other people to speak into our spirits. We need to be careful what we speak into the atmosphere. We need to be careful of the words that proceed out of our mouths. And all we need to do is speak the word of God. If you don't know what to say, if I don't know what to say in a particular situation, then I should search the scriptures and ask the Holy Spirit to give me a word from his word, the Holy Bible. And let me begin speaking that because I want to align my mouth with the will of and the words of God. I don't want to just speak of myself, but I want to speak God's word. Why? Because the word of God tells us that none of his words will that void. But they will accomplish all those things that God wants it to accomplish. So what does that really mean? It means that if God gives a promise, uh, it's going to come to pass. It's going to come to pass. So I want to speak what God says. I want to do what God says. I want to confess what God already has spoken. And what I just told to you comes from Isaiah chapter 55, And verse 11, it says like this, so my word that proceeds from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please and it will prosper where I send it. So when I am going through a difficult situation, I want to align my words with the word of God. I want to speak faith into my spirit. I want to speak faith in accordance with what God is saying to please and honor God. Amen. And I want those that are around me, I want their spirit to be uplifted that are walking this journey with me. I want their spirits to be encouraged by speaking the words of the Lord. Amen. And so I remember a time, I mean, I wasn't going to talk about this one, but 
Uh, I remember a time even in Nehemiah, in the book of Nehemiah, when God told Nehemiah, I want you to go and repair the wall that was broken down, that was in disarray, that was a mess. When he first sent Nehemiah to see the condition of the place, he told him, don't bring anybody with you. And I don't want you talking a lot of stuff either until I tell you exactly what to say. Sometimes when you bring the wrong people with you, they're the ones who's going to speak doubt into your spirit. You've got to be careful who you walk with. I had a conversation just yesterday uh, about some things that are going on right now in our nation and, and, and in the globe. And I was talking to a friend as I was driving, and she's in the car with me. And I said, you know what? It's so important who you align yourself with. Because if you align yourself, and in other words, if you run with the wrong company, anything happens to you, well, they're going to influence what the result of your situation is going to be. God forbid if something terrible were to happen to me, would my friends that I am running around with, would they speak faith over me? Would they refuse to listen to the report of the enemy? Would they be, you know, commanding the devil and his army to flee, harassing and tormenting me? Would they go along with what the devil is saying? Would they go along with some horrific report that they, perhaps the doctor would give? It's so important who you listen to and who you allow to speak into your life. Very important. Make sure that a lot of those people that you're listening to, they're speaking the word of the Lord. And if you run with some people that are not speaking the word of the Lord, well, then you make sure that you're speaking the word of the Lord. Because I know some of you have unbelieving family members. I'm not saying to leave your unbelieving family members. Of course not. Because you're there to witness to them. You're there to be light and salt to them. You're that solitaire diamond that God places in that family. But what are you speaking to their lives? That's the question. Are you speaking life? Are you speaking faith? Are you speaking God's word? Are you just speaking what everybody else is speaking? Because if you're talking and speaking like everybody else, then you're not going to see the miraculous hand of God move. You're not going to see the city of Jericho come down. You're not going to see Pharaoh's army be defeated. I remember another time in Judges chapter 16, a great mighty man of God by the name of Samson, he got tripped up, flesh, desire for pretty women. He got all tripped up. I won't even go into that whole story tonight. But he got all tripped up and he let somebody mess with his anointing. Be careful, people. Be careful. I don't know why God has me on this tonight. But I'm sure there's a reason. I'm positive there's a reason. And some of you might know exactly why I'm talking like this tonight. Because you might be the reason I'm speaking like this, because you need to hear that. So Samson got himself all 
tied up and messed up with Delilah to the point where he gave away, giving him this, the strength, the might, the power, supernatural power that God gave him physically. And so now he's, he's just a mess, lost his strength. His, his tormentors, his enemies, his captors, they even plucked out his eyes. They, you know, plunged his eyes and took out his eyeballs. He couldn't even see. Now he was totally blind. No strength, weakened, blind, and a slave, and a mockery. However, at the end, he prayed to God for one last chance to do the right thing by God. And God, in the end, gave him his strength back, his supernatural strength, for one last time. And Samson destroyed his captors and the rest of the Philistines who were in the temple of their false god, Dagon. You can read that. Read that in Judges chapter 16. Wow. How could that happen? How could this man who had lost all his strength, now he's blind, how could he kill multiple thousands of people? And that strength returns to him one last time to pull on the pillars, the strong pillars that were thousands of tons everybody who was in that temple, that wicked, evil temple. It's because there's nothing too hard. There's nothing too difficult with God. How could the children of Israel, going back to what I said before about getting the city of Jericho, how could they get the city of Jericho delivered into their hands by just shouting? What happened? God told them to shout. And the whole city fell. You see, because there's nothing too difficult with God. That's why. How could a small young boy play a mighty giant called Goliath? The small young boy was David. And his big brother's strapping, built, older more learned in the things of warfare, they and all the other big soldiers Saul's army could not slay the giant Goliath. They were, a matter of fact, afraid, terrified, terrified, I'm telling you, terrified of this big, looking giant called Goliath of the Philistines. How could a little, you know, a little boy who nobody took seriously except God, of course, how could this little boy go and go ahead of all of these strapping, experienced, older adult men, soldiers, this little boy be the one to slay Goliath. It's because David believed God. As simple as that. David believed God. And David 
for the name of God. He hated to hear the Philistines, you know, curse the God of Israel. David had the attitude of how dare they and who do they think they are. Boy, David is the one that God anointed. Even when the king tried to put his heavy armor on small David, David tried it on, but he had to take it off. He said, look, this, I, can't, I can't move in this. I need to be free to do whatever God tells me to do. And so if you read in 1 Samuel chapter 17, you will read about how God used a small young boy, shepherd boy, by the name of David to slay a big giant called Goliath. My, my, my. There's nothing, absolutely nothing too hard for God. God delivered Judah, Jehoshaphat, in Second Chronicles chapter 20. It starts out like this. After this, the Moabites with some of the, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. So here you have two big armies plus a third, a part of a third, come against one Jehoshaphat. But I want to teach you and share with you a phenomenal thing that Jehoshaphat prayed and I, I often think about this, this part of his prayer. It's just, it's something I want to share with you tonight, especially when you're dealing with very difficult places, very difficult situations, very difficult, hard circumstances. This is how Jehoshaphat the king prayed. Our God, will you not judge them? We have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do. That was the key. And he said, but our eyes, let me read it again. Our God, will you not judge them? Mean judging those enemy armies. Will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but eyes are on you. When you and I are going through very difficult situations or a very difficult situation, we need to, we must adopt the very same posture as King Jehoshaphat did and confess what he did. Be honest and humble enough to say what he did. Dear Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't have the answer here, dear Lord. But now we have to also believe. What did he say? Our eyes are on you. And the reason he, he told the Lord, but our eyes are on you, is because he was looking to the hills where his help came from. Because he knew that his help came and would only come from the Lord. 
sure enough, if you read the entire chapter of Second Chronicles, chapter 20, you will see how great a deliverance that God delivered his people with. It, it, it got to be such a fantastic deliverance. And let me just tell you a little bit about it. I didn't plan to do this, but I, I just sent from the Holy Spirit to tell you now. And I do encourage you to please go back and read this in your own language, in the language that you understand the best. If you have a Bible in your mother tongue, and that is what you understand the best, I want you to read it in that translation. He says this. When you read Second Chronicles chapter 20, you find out that Jehoshaphat put the worshipers that he had in the kingdom of Judah, he put them ahead of the army. And so what do I mean by that? He sent those that would worship God, those that would, uh, the minstrels, and play the instruments before God, and and sing before God, and dance before God. He put the worshipers at the lead. And see what God did as you read Second Chronicles chapter 20. And I'm not going to exactly read it word for word right now. I'm just going to give you my own paraphrase, and I do encourage you to go and read it on your own. What happened was, as the worshipers were worshiping God, there became, there began to be great confusion in camps. So the enemies who came to fight against Jehoshaphat, so you know, and the next thing we find out is that they began to fight against themselves. So now you had the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Meunites that came to fight against Jehoshaphat. Now you see that they're fighting amongst themselves. So you had Moabites fighting Ammonites, Ammonites fighting uh, Moabites, Meonites fighting Moabites or vice versa. And then you've got them all destroying each other until at the end of the day, they destroyed each other and God delivered the kingdom of Judah. Is there anything too hard for God? Is there anything too difficult for God? The answer is no. No, absolutely not. Another wonderful thing, as we're about to close, I want to give you, there were so many other wonderful examples in the New Testament, but I want to tell you something. This particular story I want to, um, to leave you with, it comes from the Gospel of John in chapter 11. In this portion of Scripture, one of Jesus' personal close friends has died. His name is Lazarus. And Jesus be, befriended Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. And he got word his good friend Lazarus died. But Jesus had business elsewhere, so he, he was not in town when his friend Lazarus had, had passed on. And when he got the news, he didn't leave immediately either. But when he did come, four days after Lazarus was dead, 
he asks this question of Martha, one of the sisters, to 11 and verse 40. He said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Because you see what happened is Martha, like you and me, was there, you know, she was a little, a little upset with Jesus. You know, wow, he's your good friend, and, and why didn't you come earlier when you first got word that he died? Hmm. The Lord may not come when you want him to, but I can, I can promise you that he'll come right on time. That's guaranteed. So he's asking her, and again, I repeat this, from John chapter 11, verse 40. This is the words of Jesus to Martha. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you believe, you will see the glory of God? And of course we know that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. He didn't even go into the tomb. From outside, he just called Lazarus to come out. And, and Lazarus came out alive and well. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is now speaking into your extremely difficult situation. And I want you to hear him saying that if you believe God, circumstance right now where you are, if you dare to believe God, not a made-up God, not a God of your imagination or some fake God with a small G, somebody made with their hands, and it's just an idol. It's not the true and the living God. I'm talking about if you believe the real true God that's depicted in the Holy Bible, if you believe God, you will see his glory be revealed in your situation. That loved one that is not saved, believe God for them, whether it's a man or a woman, no matter what. Believe God. You're going to see they will come to know the Lord. And even if it does not happen in your lifetime, they will come to know the Lord. In Luke chapter 1, the angel of the Lord tells Mary she was going to give birth to Jesus. And she was wondering, like, how can this be? I've never been intimate. I've had no sexual relations with a man. So how can I become pregnant? And then the same angel tells her, not only will you be pregnant, but your older parent, ever since she's married, and now she, she is probably past childbearing years. I'm not sure, but I know she was much older and she had been barren all her married life, the angel told Mary, and now your cousin, Elizabeth, she's going to give birth to a son. Actually, she's six months pregnant already. And we find out, of course, that that son that Elizabeth bore turned out to be John the Baptist. And what exactly did the angel of the Lord say when he talked about seizing a child even though she had no sexual relationship with a man and now her barren elder cousin, Elizabeth, was already six months pregnant. Look what the angel of the Lord said near the end of his visitation with Mary. He said this, 
Luke 1, verse 37. For with God, nothing shall be. Nothing shall be impossible. For with God, but with God, nothing, nothing is impossible. Anyone can be saved, no matter how hard they appear to be in the natural. Any addiction can be delivered from when God is moving. Any change, any strongholds of the wicked one can be broken. The demon possessed can be set free by the power of God. The sick in body can be made whole and well by the power of God. I don't know what you are going through as you listen to this message. I have no idea. But let me tell you something. There is one that does know everything. He knows all about what you are dealing with, what you are faced with, what you're being tormented by, who you're being tormented by, what you're being afflicted with. God knows it. God sees your tears. God sees the situation. God knows the difficulty. And he is speaking to you this very hour. And he's saying, my child, have faith. Nothing, absolutely nothing is too difficult or hard for me to do. You know, I just feel such a blessing in this word tonight that I'm going to carry this over because I'm not finished with this particular message. I'm going to carry this over, Lord willing, until next we meet again on Reaching Out Radio International in the words of your sister Pearl. I'm going to bring it, I'm going to bring a part two to this. Is there anything too difficult for God? The prophet Jeremiah so rightly confessed, no, there is nothing too difficult for you. Nothing is too hard for you. Let me pray with you before we close out tonight. Please do stop by next Sunday night or whenever you have the opportunity to listen or whenever this is broadcast is being heard in your nation, on your station. I know that we're not only on the Internet, but we're on Roku and so many other um, stations. So whatever time you listen to, please stay tuned for this time next week, God willing. Heavenly Father, we just are so grateful for the fact that there is nothing too difficult. There is absolutely nothing too hard for you to do. And we honor you. And we confess that, just like the prophet Jeremiah said it thousands of years ago. You're still the same, God, yesterday, today, and forever. You will be. There is nothing difficult, too hard, too impossible for you. You are the God of impossibilities. And we thank you for that. You can do what no one else on the planet in the universe can do because you are God. And beside you, 
there is no other Savior. What a powerful, what a loving, what an awesome, what a merciful, what a considerate, what a kind, what a loving God you are. And we just submit our wills to you. And we ask you, Father, for all of those that would be listening and they don't know you as their Lord and Savior. Father, may they just cry out to you right now, humbly, simply, asking you to forgive them of their sins, wash them in the blood of Jesus, and invite your Holy Spirit to come and live inside of them, giving them the power to say no to the devil and the ways of this world and say yes to Jesus and follow you all the days of their life. I bless them, Lord God. I leave them in your hands. I entrust them into your safe care from this time on until you return for all of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, beloved. This is your Sister Pearl. In the words of Sister Pearl, please stay tuned for next week. God bless you. I love you, but God loves you so much more. Bye-bye.